All right. Hi, everybody. This is Jay Nathan back with another episode of uh, the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast, GGR for short. Today, I got a really special guest and friend with me, uh, Wayne McCulloch. So good to see you, Wayne. Glad we could finally pull this off. G'day, Jay. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. It's been a while since we connected, so I'm excited to chat once again. Absolutely. All right. And Wayne is, um, Wayne, I have to tell you, you are very special to me because you made me a published author for the first time. So in my hand, I've got your book, The Seven <laughs> Pillars of Customer Success, which Wayne and I first met, I don't know when it was, it 2018? Yeah. Maybe 2017, 2018, when Wayne asked me to write a little piece for it and and I uh, was lucky enough to get that in there. So thank you. That, that It's always been very special to me and this is a great book. So I definitely yeah. wanted to plug it for for folks if they haven't read it yet it's one of the best yeah so. thank you um no i know look it was really weird because the reason i reached out to you is because like you were someone i'm learning from as part of my growth and my as my career pivoted and changed and moved into success you know long nearly i don't know seven eight years ago there are certain people that have really i looked to and learned from and tried things and worked and helped my career so in a way thank you for helping my <laughs> career and then um it was just really special that i would have someone like you in my book just also showcase that there isn't always one answer either. There's different ways of looking at it from different people's experiences. And so we all have different experiences that shape the lens that we look through things at. And yep. I think that's really cool that we are open to that in the CS world and actually can leverage that to help our work out what our own right answer is in the, in the situations we all see ourselves in. Absolutely. And this community, I, I see you all the time commenting on people's LinkedIn posts. And, and I think you just find that in the customer success community, people of all walks of life at every level in their organizations, all kinds of experience levels are just so willing to share and they're open to it. That's, I think a big reason why the Gangway Retain community has flourished because it's not, I mean, we've helped facilitate that, but a lot of it's just the the natural propensity of this community to, to open up and share and work together. 100% agree. Uh, we're in the right community and everyone who's watching this, hopefully you're in the right community too. And if not, come join us. Yeah, great. exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm, I had a bunch of noise happening on my computer, on my computer. So I just turned on, do not disturb. So hopefully it'll get better. Uh, well, cool. So the reason uh, that, that we wanted to have this conversation is um, you joined walk me. How long ago? About two years ago now. Well, actually it was 14 months ago. Oh, it was only 14 months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it seems longer. Um, it does seem longer. <laughs> <some days. laughs> it does. But but you you've always talked about an approach you used, and and you can as we talk about this, you know, share share more of your background too, because I think people, if they don't know your background, will be very intrigued by all the things that you've done. But you used a when you first came into Walk Me a a bottoms up approach to getting feedback from the team on what needed to to change, what the strategy needed to be, what the direction was going to be. Then you used some some tools that you brought in from the outside from your past experience to help, you know, put that together and deliver it. But I really want to talk about that bottoms up planning process that you did to get your team involved and invested in what it was that needed to happen next with you at the helm as CCO at WalkMe. So yeah, maybe just jump in and, and, and explain how the process that you put together. I think um, personally for me, it's, it's been a really long journey to get to where I'm at now. And so in order, before I explain what I did, I just want to give a little context as to why I did it and and some of the lessons learned, I think, in my career that I think people could maybe learn from as well. I, I was really lucky enough to be promoted to a sort of VP GM level reporting to a CEO public company, and I'm like 29 years old. And I remember the CEO telling me this is not a good thing, 
you've progressed so fast, you've missed a bunch of experiences and lessons learned that give you the street cred and understanding of unintended consequences and all the other things that mm. you just get through experience that takes years and years. Um, and I can tell you that as a leader, I apologize to everyone that I was the leader of back then because uh, I was a horrible leader. I thought I was the typical, I know all the answers. I have to know all the answers because why would I be promoted to this level if I didn't know all the answers? And I was just that young, immature leader and really benefited from that point of having a mentor that was helping me understand that you don't have to know all the answers. In fact, it's probably better you acknowledge you don't know all the answers so you're open to listening and hearing what the potential answers might be. As a leader, it makes you much stronger and being vulnerable is always appreciated by the team because they know you're not perfect and they know you don't know all the answers as well. And so it's just, for me, it was a really important lesson um, throughout my career on understanding that the, the actual power of knowing the answers resides in the people who do the work, not the leadership. The leadership's job is to bring those ideas together and then work out how to make it possible in the constraints that you have, whether it's budget, time, market, politics, all the other things that go on. That's the real strength of leaders. And so coming into Walk Me, I walk into Walk Me, first CCO they've had. So first of all, there's not a lot of understanding about what my role is and what we do. Secondly, the reason the role is created is because there's a need, right? So that, you know, AKA things aren't going as great as maybe they could. Therefore we need this role to help. So you can read into that any way you want, but ultimately there's some opportunities for improvement and I've come in to set what that could look like. So for me in the first 30 days, I had 150 one-on-ones and a lot of group interviews, just listening and hearing feedback, right? So your typical sort of 30, 60, 90, although I don't subscribe to that as a, but the, the timing is irrelevant, but the, the concept of understanding how you can move through quickly to understand the value you bring to an organization, especially around culture and other things. But for me, from those conversations, I identified 11 common themes that I heard from all these people, from comp plans not being well, segmentation not being well. There's no walk me cares sort of program to sort of help the community, allow people to volunteer. Like there were these consistent messages that I heard and there were 11 of them. And so... 20 years ago, I would have been like, okay, here's what we're going to do for all 11. Here's how we're going to go solve it. Look at me. I'm amazing. I'm awesome. I know all these answers. But that's not what I did here. What I did here was I went back to the organization and I said, here are the 11 areas of the business that you believe, you perceive are really broken and we need to fix. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know how to do it all. I don't know how to fix all these 11. I just got here. I don't know the product, the market, the people. I don't know. But it's the end of the year. We've got a set of plan for next year. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone in the organization to do that for me. Because you know, you know how to solve these problems. You might not have the budget. You might not have the resources. You might not even have the time to go do it. But in your head, you know that this is a problem. If we just did this and then this, we could solve this. And so I um, set about then creating a process by which everyone could help me build a plan for the year. And that's how I started my tenure here at WalkMe. 150 one-on-ones in 30 days. How do you even pull that off? (laughs) (laughs) It was really busy. I did a lot of morning and late night calls to make sure the international people were represented. Um, But that's really all it was. And what's really funny is even at three months in, um, I'd hardly spoken to any customers. Some escalations I got pulled into. Mm -hmm. But the first three months here at the company was spent exclusively talking to my team and my organization. And I remember a conversation with one of my ELT members saying, 
aren't you the chief customer officer? <laughs> I'm like, yes, but I'm a big subscriber to you know customer success through employee success. And we have not set up our employees for success through their compensation, career planning, um, just even listening to what they're saying, the problems they're having. We're not, we're not engaging. Like there's a bunch of stuff we're missing that no matter how smart or, or, or incredibly innovative our CS sort of programs are going to be to help with retention, expansion, advocacy, all that stuff, it won't work if the team is not in the right place. If they're not empowered, they don't believe they can be successful, if they're not, you know, really all in on Walk Me and our customers. And I felt that that was really more important for me to spend time with our employees, even though I'm a chief customer officer when I first got here. And it wasn't until about six months in that I felt um, ready to be able to spend a lot more time with the customers. Now, having said that, before I joined, there was a three-month period from leaving Google, well, sorry, from resigning from Google and then leaving Google. In that three-month period, I was able to actually reach out and speak to a ton of customers in an unsolicited way and saying, what do you think of the company? What works? What doesn't? The product, the experience, what was onboarding like? What was the services like? What is support like? Like I was asking a thousand questions yeah, by yeah. simply under the guise of, I'm looking to take a job at this company. I just wanted to know from a customer what you think. And it was easy to find these evangelists on LinkedIn. And so I was able to understand a lot of from a customer lens where the challenges were. So when I got to the company hearing the, 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 the employees say, oh, if only we could do this and this and this, I'm like, okay, that translates to this experience for the customer. Yeah. I don't know why the customer is frustrated and the employees are frustrated uh, is because we haven't solved you know, these three things anyway. So I, I do think that the employee success um, is necessary for everything else to follow. Absolutely. There's a book called Touch Points, I think is what it's called, by Douglas Conant. You ever heard that name before? No, I don't know that. Good, good author. I, I like his stuff. Um, but it's it's a it's all about the impact that every single touch point you have with your team has on the culture and the outcomes of the business. And you set the tone in those one-on-ones, right? In those team meetings, you actually get to set the tone that, hey, we're gonna be a listening organization. We're not gonna come with all the answers. We're gonna, we're gonna sort of take a different approach to this. So that that is uh, impactful in and of itself. So so you collected all this, you you aggregated into eleven themes, you took it back to the organization and said, okay, thanks for all this. Here's how I organized it for you. Yeah. Now help me. Let's help. Let's go ahead and solve it. So, what happened after that? So essentially, what I did is I took the eleven topics and created eleven Google Docs. So. Um, this is the true power of using something like Google Workspace that most people don't don't, don't leverage. Having worked at Google, I can see why people miss the, the value of this um, all the time. But basically, these eleven documents, and I made it real easy. Here's the theme that I heard was the was the title of the document. Okay, here's the problem as you've described it. Um, what does great look like? Like if we fix this problem, what should the end result be? Like what should the experience? What should the process? What should the you know what should that look like? And then thirdly, what do we need to do to get to that utopia? And then finally, what can I do as the CCO to help make this happen? Four there were just four sections, and so for me, I then invited all the organization to join up to one of these work streams or two, you're allowed one hour a week for five weeks to contribute to this document. 
And the reason why I did one hour a week is I didn't want to distract people from their jobs and just totally mm-hmm. get all in on, oh, we're going to go change the world. I'm going to spend three months working on this project. No, just put down your thoughts. Just throw down your ideas. Just put it in a place. And the, and, and the reason why I wanted to do it over five weeks is because every week I'd go in, I'd read whatever I'm saying, and I'd write comments and ask questions in the document so that people could then respond and I could read it the next week or the next day or whenever I was looking at the document. So over the course of five weeks, 200 people put together 500 pages of the most incredible, insightful, here's what's broken, here's what we could do, like here's some ideas, this is what we need, this is where you need your help. But the great thing about doing it this way, not only was there were no meetings, like I did, didn't want people to get on a meeting because imagine trying to coordinate all the three geographies and everyone, and of course the loudest people get heard and there are people that just want to, you know, they have ideas but they're shy. Like this way I can actually hear from everyone. You could be from Japan, you could be from Singapore, you can be from Poland, you can be from Tel Aviv, you can be from the US. It doesn't matter. You have an equal voice. You can put down whatever you want in this document and I'm going to have a conversation with you. So I was able to scale across 200 people or so, all these conversations, asking all these questions, clarifications, what if scenarios. And I did it all with people giving up an hour a week. And in the end, I had these amazing 11 documents put together um, that essentially described the biggest pain points that we had as a company and how to go about solving them, which there is no way my mind was <laughs> smart enough to, to actually come up with all of you that. You don't have enough context, right? I mean, you don't have that context or experience. Right. So right. that's how we did it. That's how I collated all the information. Essentially, I then said, this is our plan for the year. I then went through with my leadership team and we just broke it down into uh, an initiative called 11 Up. And um, and it, we use like the whole spinal tap, like, it goes to 11, but why, why don't you just make 10 louder? Because it goes to 11. And so we had 11 up, we used a spinal tap clip to sort of launch it. Um, and we have a little logo for it on everything we do. And basically what we did is we created 11 up, which was here are the 11 initiatives the organization will be executing against. And then we started creating metrics around, well, how long is it going to take to do that? What are the metrics along the way that we know we're doing it? This is a process I learned when I worked at Salesforce, which is called um, a V2 month. We built a V2 mum with our vision and values as an organization. So what is the vision of the CCO function? Really important because it never existed before. Why does a CCO, what does a CCO do? Why does it exist as a role? So we could set our vision. What are our values? What do we value as an organization? And then you go into your your methods, which are like your initiatives, obstacles, what's going to stop us getting there, and then metrics. What are the measures you're using to define Are we on the road to success? Are we progressing in the right way? So we ended up with 152 different metrics, each one owned by an individual. People could step up and own these initiatives that they loved and dreamed about. I'll give you an example, Walk Me Cares. We didn't have a way to do volunteering, get people together to allow us to contribute back to the community that we live in. And so people that were most passionate about that got to lead it and created a Walk Me Cares initiative, which was later adopted by the whole company. But the CSG organization drove it through, created volunteer opportunities. You know, all of that stuff was done from this initiative and now it's all real. And um, for me, this is this is a really key part of the process, which is it's driven by the employees, not by me. I'm simply there trying to guide and facilitate, yeah. and remove obstacles. Like when we talk about the here are the initiatives, obstacles, and metrics, I own the obstacles. That's how I see it. Like my job yeah. is to remove the obstacles. Everyone else can go run the 
the initiatives and hit the metrics because that's what they want to do. And so it's a symbiotic relationship there and it works, you know, usually pretty well. So here, here's a, a question that I have for you. When you have all these different initiatives, you have 150 metrics, surely you didn't walk into your first board meeting after all this was done and say, here's everything, right? <laughs> so how, how did you simplify it? And did you have to do any prioritization in there? Because you you hold the keys to the resources, but you have a limited amount of resources as well, right? right? So how did you simplify? And then how did you prioritize? Or did you have to do any prioritization of the things that were identified in that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a really important question. So most people can't wrap their head around 11 initiatives. Everyone's like, you'd have two or three or four. And, right. and, yeah. So... I say, no, you can have as many initiatives as you want. There are two metrics that I want to be measured on as a CCO. There's only two, NRR, yep. net revenue retention, and then advocacy. They're the two things my organization can have the biggest impact on. And everyone sort of gets NRR. You know, that's like, oh, that's the metric of SaaS. Everyone loves it. I, I, <laughs> I don't quite subscribe to that theory. I think people are a little misaligned. They sort of hear it's kind of like the, the high touch, mid touch low touch kind of, you know, pyramid that threw everyone off for like five years in customer success and <laughs> to do it properly. Like people just gravitate, they hear it and they're like, oh, that makes sense. And so for NRR, I'm like, what if all my accounts are sold out as ELAs? I can't drive a 130, 140 NRR because I got ELAs. But guess what? I got ELAs. Like I'm locked in. Like, so th anyway, there's lots of pedantic. That's another podcast we can do another day. <laughs> yeah. For me, NRR is important to the board. We're a public company. We traded on the NASDAQ. So it's important. It's a metric everyone will look at. Financial analysts, sell side, buy side. Everyone's going to be interested in that metric, right? So we kind of own it because most revenue at a company our size and above most revenue comes from the existing customer base, not from new customers. And so the ability to onboard, to get adoption, to realize value, to accelerate um, expansion, all operates around what the CCO function is designed to maximize for a company. And so NRR is definitely one. Advocacy threw people off a little bit. They're like, we have marketing does advocacy. And I'm like, Marketing should never do advocacy. Like it is not a marketing function. Now I understand that marketing has a very important role to play in the success of any advocacy program. It is the way you scale that amazing content out. But the only group that really can do advocacy properly is the CS organization. It's the group that spends every day with our customers in the yeah. trenches, learning and understanding, right? So for me, when I say advocacy, everyone's like, whoa, hang on. And I'm like, no, the advocacy is owned by us. And so for me, I believe there is a, there is a, a life cycle people go through inside companies around advocacy um, that start with, oh yeah, I'll do an NPS survey. Oh yeah, I'll do an online review. Oh yeah, I'll do a blog. Yeah, I'd be interested in presenting at your conference. I, like there's a, there's a there's a maturity, yeah. a maturation of advocacy that happens in every customer account. And I believe we own the creation of a, a way to optimize and automate the ability to move people through an advocacy process at many levels inside a company. And so to me, I felt that was important to not only attract new logos to the business, but when you have some challenges with retention, you want to be able to pair up that, that company with many other advocates in the same industry saying, we're having success. We had the problem you have right now with the product. Yeah. This is what we did. To me, that creates a, such a retention capability inside an org. And it's all about advocacy. And we sometimes miss that connection. So for me, they're the two metrics. That's what I tell the board. This is what I care about. NRR, 
And now underneath that, obviously, there's churn and expansion. This is what we're doing. We have some initiatives from 11 up. We have some initiatives that drive that metric. Over here in advocacy, we have some initiatives that drive that up. But the 11 up for me is um, we put it on our um, knowledge base. It's in our intranet, if you will. Everyone in the company can look at it. Everyone can see where we are on all 152 metrics and how we're tracking and where we're at, like how many certified people, how many community members do we have? Like these are all metrics we have of are we moving the needle on Dollar-based near retention and or NRR and, and advocacy. And so, yes. Now, from priority perspective, the 11 up is ordered by priority. Okay. So you've already, you did that work when you got together with the leadership team and said, of everything we heard, yep. here's what will move the needle. We'll put it in that order. Correct. Because when something else happens, like, oh, we just acquired this new company. Well, that's another initiative, right? Well, I can't just add another initiative. I've got to take one off so I have room. Which one is it? It's number 11, number 10, number nine, or I get additional resources. Where do I put it? I put it in number one. So we did all that work. And it was interesting because you have the owners. So each one um, of my leaders and the next, like I, I invite non sort of leadership team people to own these 11 up initiatives. For example, the Walk Me Cares, um, that was an individual contributor in the org who just had a passion for wanting to give back to the community and, 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 and lead that for our company globally. So she gets to do that. So she sits on the 11 up, you know, leadership team. And I meet with them every month and we go through every single metric and we talk about what's ahead, what's behind, what needs to change, what help do you need? What's not working? Unexpected consequence, change the number. We already hit it. Well, we just, let's, let's go big, let's go more. Or so, um, so for me, that, that, that prioritization process was have every owner stand up and debate whether their their particular initiative is a higher priority. And through that conversation, it seems a little adverse, adversarial, but it's not. It's more of a, I believe this is important because X. And someone else is equally passionate about theirs and other people get to weigh in and ask questions. And eventually we decide, you can disagree, but we commit, this is the priority that we've decided as a leadership team. How did you assign owners? It was actually... Fairly simple because there were some areas like the Walk Me Cares where they're just people just, they go above and beyond. They're like, I put together this 400 page deck and I've done all this research. And you're like, they're all in. Like, they just want to do this so bad. That was easy. Like, would you like to lead this globally? Oh, like, of course they would because it's a dream come true is to go drive this right. Um, some of the things, uh, for example, um, we had an initiative called Bringing Successy Back, which is our CS organization, which had kind of lost its way because it got subsumed into sales and then became a sales support function, a reactive, you know, your typical kind of like catch-all, um, not really strategic in nature. And so we wanted to bring Successy back. And so bringing CS back was led by the head of the customer success org. That seemed a natural, like your job is to go bring this team back into being a strategic advisor for our customers and being seen as an important differentiator in the level of service and quality that we can offer to our customers as far as understanding how to get the most value from our technology. Um, so that was actually, that was a lot easier than probably you might imagine. Um, and then when people sort of said, I want you know, multiple people put their hand up for certain initiatives, they just work on the 11 up initiatives with that leader. That leader is not designed to do all the work. They're just simply accountable yeah. for making sure that the work gets done. And so um, there were plenty of people who are willing to do that role as well. Yeah. Well, in, in every organization, you have people whose part of their job description is to, to lead those kind of initiatives, right? I mean, if you're a director of services or support or customer success or a VP of something or another, like, 
part of, part of your role in permit is to go drive. We call them defining objectives. We use the advantage framework, by the way, uh, from Lencioni, but it's, it, it's basically, it falls into your job description. Sometimes people need operational support, whether it's project management, program management, cross-functional driving, you know, with, with their peers, because everybody has a day job as well, right? The person that's running the walk me cares still has to be a CSM or whatever she does. Yep. While, you know, the director of customer success who owns the bringing successy back, is that what it was? That's funny, by the way. 60. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they still have to run the team. These titles, by the way, my, my team had a lot of fun with. Well, that that's part of the fun of doing it the way you did it. It's very cool. But it's, uh, the, the logo is Justin Timberlake, um, oh. who looks very similar to our leader SVP of customer success. So it actually works multiple levels, but <laughs> wow. Um, that's, that's, that's great. No, you're but, right. But, but but I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. The goal here though was, we need to free up time for people to do this. This can't be an add-on. It can't be an addition. It is part of your job description now is to deliver on these initiatives. And it's what we're going to sort of assess you on your impact on the organization um, when it comes to you know merit and other things. And so it's very much a part. We had to create that space. But again, it's 11 people out of you know 350-odd people in the org at the time. Um, seems, you know, it wasn't a, a large chunk of resources being pulled out or yeah. time being pulled away, but it, but it needed to be done. All right. So you, you, you built this out. It's, you ran the play. It's been about a year, over a year now since, yeah. since you, since you did all this, why don't we talk a little bit about progress results, outcomes that, that you've seen so far from it and maybe lessons learned as well. Yeah. Um, well, ton of lessons learned. Um, the good news is the key things I looked for in year one. So I said about a three-year, there's a three-year strategy here. In order to become world-class, to be the best at this, to be the differentiator against all our competitors, the reason why people buy WalkMe is because of A, the technology, and B, us. That has to be the, that has to be the, the, the thing that people talk about. And so that's a three-year journey. And the first year is all about foundational. Next year, 2023, is all about the building out of capability in 2024 is all about scale. Like we're going to be a billion dollar company. We need to do this excellence every time in a repeatable way, in a scalable way. So every customer has an amazing outcome. And that's the goal longer term. So first of all, setting clear expectations. This is a multi-year journey to get where we need. 11 up is all about year one, building the things, the foundation needed for year two, which is when we get to do more of the fun stuff. Like this is all just bread and butter, you know, for example, we don't have playbooks. Let's build playbooks. We don't have a risk framework. Let's have a risk framework. We don't have a health score. Let's put in a health score. We don't like, there's a thousand things missing here that we have to build out. So 11 up was all about that because people were saying, I don't know which customer to go spend my time with because I don't have any data about are they healthy or not? You know, well, that's missing a health score. So let's go build a health score. And over time, obviously health scores are just one input, just one indicator. Um, and they, ch- you, you get better at understanding them. I'll give you this, this, this example. Oh, a customer hasn't logged a support ticket in 30 days. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you don't know. That metric on its own doesn't tell you the answer. You need context, right? So I need to know, is it a three-year customer, fully trained, they have their own center of excellence? Yeah, that's probably a good thing. If they're a new customer and they're just on the platform and there's no support, to, that's probably a bad thing. So, so there's a bunch of learning you have to go through over time. And then you have to learn how to weight each one of these. Does really support tickets really impact whether a customer will renew or not or expand or not? Well, again, on its own, you don't know what type of customer, like support tickets are they having? How long does it take to resolve? Is it is it stopping them delivering value or just an in, inconvenience? So that takes time. Again, three years. 
in three years' time, our health score is going to be amazing. It's going to be, you know, have artificial intelligence and it's going to be automated. It's going to automate playbooks distribution and it's going to look at a, a confidence interval of 95% on knowing this is going to happen. Like, but we can't do that today, right? But we will, but not yet. Um, and so for me, just going through and actually understanding, you know, this is a, a long process and year one is all about just building the foundation. So when I look at the key metrics, one is how is my organizational health? That's the first thing I look at. How are my people doing? So we have a engagement survey. Uh, again, the company didn't do those at the time. So we did one when I joined. I won't tell you the score, um, partially because it's, it's pretty horrible, but also I, I don't really want to share it with anyone, but the score wasn't great. Right. I've never seen a score like that before. Let's just say it that way. Um, fast forward, you know, we're nine months into the launch of 11 up, coming up to 10. Um, we've shifted the needle 40 points on an EMPS survey. That's, wow. that's a massive amount yeah. To, yeah. in an org. And so we've seen, you know, voluntary attrition come down. We have promoted nearly 80% of all promotions and new roles created were filled from within from our own organization, which was a, one of our metrics on 11 up was to ensure we were building the leaders of the future. I'll give you this example. One of the, one of the common themes I heard from people managers was uh, I've had no training or mentoring or coaching. I did a one day, you know, negotiation class and a one day difficult conversation, but I don't know how to be a great manager. I just, yeah. I just was a man. And I've been promoted twice and I still don't know how to be a great manager. So the very first expenditure wow. I did here was bring in uh, Niels Vignette um, and the B2B Leadership Academy and say, every people manager, person, everyone who manages someone is now have a weekly a weekly session with the coach mentor has a training program for the entire year. So that's about up-leveling the skills of the leaders because that that's a multiplier effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so, and I learned that at Salesforce with McKinsey when we're trying to work out how to, how to help sales improve productivity. <clears throat> we kept doing all these enablement things for the, the AEs and we weren't netting the result. And then we realized we're just we're tr the first line managers is all you need to really focus on because if they can hold people accountable, have the right conversation, you know, that just creates the opportunity yep. for you to improve the performance. And so we did that here as an example. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that people were starting to feel like they were being heard, being invested in. Now, I'm not saying job done, and I think there's a long way to go still. But again, we're on a journey, right? And we've, we've yeah. certainly made a yeah. big impact out from Now, that wouldn't be hard to do um, if you looked at what the score originally was. So that's, you know, while it's a big shift, to me, it's like not really a big shift. Like the big shift comes when you start getting into the 40s and 50s for EMPS. That's where you really start to have that big impact. So that's what we're working on for 2023. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is for me, uh, retention when I got here. So year one would be about making sure retention is solid. So year two can be all about making sure that our expansion motion is, is operationalized um, and optimized for the company. And so moving um, again, just as a public company, we, we share some of this data so you can, you can find it. But um, let me just say, we, we saw, depending on the segment, anywhere from six to 10 point improvement in retention um, from SMB to commercial to enterprise. And then uh, obviously in the named and sort of strategic big accounts, the, you always have, you should have um, better retention there, which we did, but we've, we've seen an uptick in every single category uh, across the business. And again, low hanging fruit. It's great to see everyone wants to be in the nineties. So I'm happy we're in the nineties, but, but you want to be 95, you want to be 96, you want to be 97, but it's really expensive to get to those points. And so there's right. the trade-off of 
what are you going to be comfortable with? We haven't had to have those conversations yet. That's going to come one day. But right now, um, they're the two metrics that I sort of say, okay, was this a success? Absolutely. Now, within those 152, did we hit them all? No. Did we hit them and have the desired impact? No. There were definitely some lessons learned. But the number one lesson that I learned was because we did this as a silo. My organization did 11 mm. up. Many of yeah. the metrics need help from sales, from yeah. product, from R&D, from marketing. All the metrics that struggled were those metrics because we didn't control the outcome. We needed to partner. And because they did not share our metrics, we did not meet with them and work with them because we were just trying to solve our initial challenges. Um, we actually struggle because they're busy. Every other function is busy. They have their own metrics and KPIs. And so for 2023, we're actually doing this as a company versus my org. Um, and that would be a, you know, obviously I knew that would happen. That That's not in having been through V2 moms at Salesforce, OKRs at Google. Like I, I understand you have to be interlocked with these yeah. other functions. But for me, the two goals I wanted to achieve was make it a better place for our employees to be. And, and invest and help them grow in their careers with WalkMe. And then secondly, improve the experience of our customers from a retention standpoint. Those two things were met. And I was very proud of the team on being able to deliver what was a change of motion, a very aggressive plan. Um, not, you know, not many people are used to having 11 initiate, 152 metrics being measured every four weeks and people literally being held to the, like, are you doing, are you doing it? Are you showing up? And just, and people getting, like, that was a big shift for a lot of people in the North. Yeah. But, but I'm really proud of what the team did and they did it. And so we're looking forward to next year doing it again. Uh, that, it's awesome, Wayne. I mean, just to put it in context for people, I mean, 6 to 10% of movement on retention on any oh. customer segment is mind-boggling. It's huge um, and materially changes the valuation of your entire company if you can do that. So kudos to you for that. So will you go through this whole process again of soliciting the input from scratch or yeah, help, help guys like me who have been in seat now for <laughs> yeah. two and a half years that want to, that want to take this approach. Would you, would you start from scratch again or would you pick up with everything you already have? How does it work? How does it work from here when you include the whole company next? Yeah. So I, I think it's different. I don't, I don't think we take that approach at all. It's a very different circumstance. I'm a lot more educated on, you know, what's working and what's not. And and I've listened to people and hopefully, um, you know, one of the, one of the goals this year for me was to create, and it was based on feedback from the team. We want better collaboration. We want to know what's going on. So we didn't have all hands calls. Then we started doing them every month. Right. And we got some comments uh, as about three, four months back saying, can we, we don't need to do them every month. Can we do them like yeah. every quarter or twice a quarter? Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm just like, that's what you want to hear. Like, okay, we're, we're, we're good now. We're, we're listening. Every yeah. Monday I send out a weekly email to the organization. Uh, basically starts with, here's what I'm working on this week. So everyone knows what I'm doing, where I am. I'm traveling, I'm meeting, I'm having a budget conversation. We're talking about merit. We're setting strategy. I'm meeting with a customer. We're just, so everyone, I want everyone to know what I'm doing. I want to be, make sure that that's very transparent to people, not some hidden person flying around showing up in an office sometime. Like I just want people to know, <laughs> but then in that email, I also then will, will move on to um, sort of things just, you should be aware of, just make sure, Hey, we've got this survey going, or we have this, you know, thing that you got to get done. Just making sure everyone knows what they kind of should be doing. Cause there's so much noise and stuff coming in. Then I sort of welcome, like, welcome new people. Who are the new people that join? So every week we have people joining. So who are they are and sort of a, a link to that. And then celebrate the walkmeversaries. So how many people have been here? Six, seven, eight, nine years, one year, whatever it is. So everyone can do that. And then, um, and then, and then round it out 
with um, here's a special holiday that someone at Walk Me is celebrating. So it could be oh, that's cool. something in Japan, Tel Aviv. Like it's amazing in the US, like why are, it seems like in September, Tel Aviv office takes half the month off. Like, and there's like, yeah, because there's all these cool religious things that happen. Yeah. And so I put yeah. little, you know, links to the the, the YouTube video or uh, website that explains it or whatever. But same vice versa too. Like, I remember we did MLK Day and the Tel Aviv team was like, oh, I never knew what that was. Just it was MLK Day. I didn't even know it was a person. Like, and so trying to just allow people to understand all these traditions and things, whether it's in France or Germany, everyone has their own flavor of what they celebrate and why it's important. And so anyway, that's my weekly note that I send out. Okay. Um, then I have an extended team. I have a leadership, people leader team. We meet every month. So there's tons of dialogue now and a lot of conversations that happen. So that's different to last year. And then to your point that you mentioned earlier, yeah, we got to align as an executive team first. What are the, and 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 the CEO has done that. The CEO sent to the ELT and said, here's what I want to achieve in 2020. This is what's important to our company. This is what the board's saying, investors, me personally, what you've said, and he documented it all. So we then break it apart and say, okay, what's what do I help contribute to with my org? And now I'll build mine and then share it with the orgs. Now, what those metrics are and initiatives, the team's going to help me build that. The employees will help me build it. But the actual initiatives and what we need to do, that's going to be top down this year versus bottoms up, yeah. which I think was more appropriate for this last year. Yeah. That situational awareness is really, really cool. Really key. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome, man. Well, I know we're running low on time here. I could talk oh, to you for, for hours, <laughs> Wayne, you know that, but um, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing this, this story, your method. Uh, I think it's inspirational for people who are there. Are a lot of people that are going to e- either are in new jobs or going to be entering in new jobs in the next you know, 12 months as there always are, especially right now. And so um, this is a, this is a something that I've been intrigued about and I've been eager to dig into it with you further. So I appreciate you taking the time to do it and, and, uh, and going to click deeper on it with me. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from it. So thanks for the opportunity. And if anyone wants to reach out directly and ask questions or you have like thoughts or ideas, or you're struggling with how to do this, I'm more than happy to help any way I can. Um, I think the key here is it doesn't matter whether it's using the, Lencioni methods or the yeah. Salesforce or Google's okay. Like it doesn't matter as long as everyone's doing it, as long as you're very transparent, as long as you find out what other functions and their priorities are and find ways to align, to agree on metrics you share, then you can pull resources and have a much bigger impact on your customers. And that's the hardest thing to do because there's so many problems in every siloed organization to think across is very difficult, but I really encourage you as a, a, a potential leader, a current leader, to be really thinking about how you go about doing that, because that can have a really big impact on what you can get done for the next year for your customers and your employees. And so there's one thing you take away, it would be that, have a consistent process that everyone follows and find those shared metrics. Even if you reduce your metrics to make sure you have shared metrics with others, I would recommend you do that. Well, that being said, I do like the way that you did it. You didn't let that become a barrier to getting started in your organization in year one, you just went and you built a muscle. You started building a muscle, the foundation, as you called it in year one, that you're going to be able to lean on now as you go into year two and year three. So that's really powerful. Plus it proved out that it can work. Look at the results. Like um, another example was the G2 reviews. Uh, We were number five out of six, even though we're the market leader with the biggest, we invented the category. Why are we five out of six? Because no one's thinking about asking our customers for their input. Right. We suddenly say advocacy is important. Now we're number one on them. Like it's it's just about focus on what it is, define it, have someone own it, and just regularly make sure you're making yeah. progress. 
it makes such a difference. And so I really encourage everyone to take a stab at it for 2023. Why not? Awesome. Where can people get in touch with you, Wayne? If they want uh, to check Just Wayne McCulloch. Um, I have a website, cspillars.com for the book. If you have something about the book, um, but uh, you can get me through either channel um, and I'm always happy to help. And sometimes you'll find me on GR, GGR as well. Awesome. All right, man. Good to chat with you. We'll do it again soon. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, Be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm